You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. We're going through those texts of scripture that speak to us concerning these men and the work that God was doing in their lives. And we see ourselves. It's like we're looking in the gospel mirror and we see the reflection of ourselves and we realize that we don't really line up with these fellows or these gals, these women of virtue as well that are listed in the Bible. But there's hope that what God did in their lives will also do for us, right? That that will be a part of our Christian experience as well. The Bible is filled with stories of the successes and failures of people. And today, Pastor Mike reminds us that there are many lessons to be learned from these stories. We can learn from both the successes and failures of biblical characters. Furthermore, these passages teach us about the character of God. This truth provides hope for us as we are reminded that God is faithful to us even when we fail, and He always keeps His promises. God blesses us and even empowers us to become more like Christ. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 12 as he begins his message, God's I Wills. Genesis chapter 12, and the text that we're going to be treating is found in verses 1 through 3. So Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. So this was some of the requirements that were laid down by God as God commissioned Abraham. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, notice all of the I wills, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, don't misunderstand. This message really isn't all that much about Abraham, although he's sort of like one of the main characters here in our study, but our focus And our emphasis in the study is really all about what God did for Abraham. And listen, what God did for Abraham, he is more than willing, wanting, and anxious to do for each and every one of us. I had mentioned how that chapters 12 through 25 really tell us a lot about this man Abraham and his descendants. And I drew that point to your attention Well, first of all, because he was the father of the faith, 
But so much of the scriptures are taken up by this man that speak to us concerning the importance of this man in his ministry, his calling, his being used of God. In fact, there's more information given about Abraham and his descendants more than any other character in the Bible with the exception of Jesus Christ himself. So a lot of the scriptures are devoted to this man and his descendants. Yet, it's really not about him, but the God whom he served. I mean, and we talked about this last time together. What would Abraham have been without God? When we were first introduced to him, and that was one of the reasons why the Lord, in commissioning him, first of all, instructed him and commanded him to get out of his country, which was in the land of Ur. And so I mentioned this last time that Abraham's family were idol worshipers. And that area was the center of idol worship. And so he had to get out of there. That was one of the prerequisites of being used of God. And we looked at that in relationship to our calling and to remove ourselves from anything that would create a divide between our hearts and and our service and our commitment to the Lord. And so what would Abram have been without God? He would have been an idol worshiper, maybe a prosperous farmer, but surely someone unknown to history. But more importantly, he would have played no part in God's great work of salvation. You see, he doesn't even exist for us that is apart from God, unless God had called them, commissioned them, and worked through him. So as we consider his life then, and therefore, we actually learn something about God. Now notice right from the get-go, let's go back to our text here in chapter 12 and verse 1. We are told, now the Lord had said. So in other words, this is God's action. This is his work. Okay, so what's the significance of this? Well, simply, as I've already suggested, God wants to do a work in us because Abraham's God is our God as well. And as we go through these I wills of God, we're going to see, I'm going to draw to your attention the similarities between what God wanted to do in Abraham's life and what God also wants to do in our lives lives, the many similarities. You know, there's this poem, and again, I I found it in an old out-of-print commentary of mine. I don't know who the author was, but it goes like this. The God of Abram prays, who reigns enthroned above, ancient of everlasting days, and God of love. Jehovah, great I am, by earth and heaven confessed, I bow and bless the sacred name, forever blessed. Hail Abram's God and mine, I join the heavenly lays, all might and majesty are thine, and endless praise. And so again, the God of Abraham is our God as well. Now in our text, there are several things that God wanted to do in Abraham's life. And again, I refer to those as God's I wills. But before we go on and consider each one of them, we're going to go right through the list. I want to share an observation with you. I want you to notice how different chapter 12 is from the previous chapter that is in chapter 11. Chapter 11 is the list of man's I wills. 
Whereas in chapter 12, as we move to chapter 12, it's all about God's I wills. Chapter 11 had to do with, remember, if you were here for the last couple of messages, had to do with the building of a secular city, the Tower of Babel. These were men and women functioning without God. They were setting out to make a name for themselves. But it was all about man's plans. That's what chapter 11 was all about. But in chapter 12, it has to do with God and his plans and his will. Notice in contrast, like for example, in chapter 11, let's just quickly jump back there just to make the point. Chapters in contrast. Chapter 11 and verse 3, notice, then they said one to another. Notice, they said one to another. Whereas in chapter 12, right, we read right from the very beginning here, the Lord had said to Abraham. Notice there in chapter 12 in verse 1. Do you see the contrast between the two? They had said to each other, And then in chapter 12 and verse 1, the Lord had said to Abraham, they said, back in chapter 11, let's make bricks, let's build us a city, chapter 11. But in chapter 12, God said, I will make you a great nation. And well, anyway, as it relates to their plans, man's plans in chapter 11, we know how that whole thing worked out, right? And we talked about this. In one of our previous messages, notice in chapter 11 and verse 8, we read, So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Listen, gang, this is what we need to take away from this. Don't be impressed with what we imagine men can do, wanting to achieve greatness. And I hope that's not your inordinate desire as well. Remember, when God acts, results are permanent. And the greatness that God creates, folks, is true greatness. And it lasts forever. You know, this reminds me of the devil, if I can use him as an example of this. It sort of reminds me of the devil in chapter 14. And think about this. In the beginning, God, when he made the angelic Creatures, all of which in the different administrations and orders and such, one of the highest order of all of the creations of angels was Lucifer. And the Bible tells us that he was perfect in wisdom. And so in the hierarchy of the angels, he was above most, right? But I don't know exactly how this whole thing played out, but pride certainly must have played a role in this. But the devil and his plans, notice in chapter 14, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 through 15. Isaiah 14, verses 13 through 15. But I'll read it for you. Now, this is the commentary that we have as it relates to what was going on in the heart and the mind of Lucifer. He says, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. This was his plan. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farther side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And even today, presently, he continues to perpetrate this plan, right? 
to overthrow God himself. But instead of replacing God as the ruler of the universe, he was cast out of heaven and brought down to the pit, or ultimately will be brought down to the pit during the seven years of tribulation, or at the end of the seven years of tribulation. Notice in verse 15, Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, or hell, to the lowest depths of the pit. So what's the point? Gang, God is God, and his will is the law of the universe. The law of the universe. And you're never going to upend him. Now, let's get into these I wills. Let's go back to chapter 12. Let's get into these I wills of God. And again, I want you to think about the similarities between what God did in Abraham's life and what also God wants to do in our lives. And I'll draw your attention to those things as we move through these examples. First of which, verse 1, I will show you a land. Now, this is a progressive work that God was going to do through Abraham because later on, not only was he going to show him a land, and of course he's referring to the land of Canaan, but there's a progression to this because later on in chapter 15 and verse 7, and we'll get into that in one of our future studies, he says, I will give you a land. So put them alongside of one another. Not only will I show you a land, but I also will give you that land. A land not only to be seen, but also possessed. So there's a progression here. I want to draw your attention to that. And think about that in our own lives. God often leads exactly like that. He shows us something good. Then he enables us to possess it. But it doesn't happen all at once. And often it doesn't happen immediately. Why is that? Because God knows that we wouldn't be able to handle it all at once. Let's say, for example, you know, in a message like this, as the word is going forth and you're encouraged about your walk and your relationship with the Lord and and God is dealing with sin in your life. And listen, all of us, I mean, this is, you know, this is a place where people come to get well. This is a hospital, if you will. And the attending physician is none other than the great physician, Jesus Christ. And he uses the word of God as a scalpel to cut out the cancer and the sickness out of our lives, right? So this is a counseling session. We're all in counseling here. You know, some people say, well, you know, Pastor Mike, do you have regular counseling? And I say, yeah, Sundays and Thursdays are in our midweek service and on Sunday mornings. The truth of the matter is we're all in counsel right now, right? We're all in counseling right now. So maybe the Lord is speaking to you in one of our services, maybe not this one in a, I hope in a direct way, but addressing some area of sin in our lives or seeking to build some virtue within you. And you have that hope in you. Like, for example, he's given us an example of that kind of virtue in another Bible character. Maybe it's Abraham. Maybe it's David. Maybe it's Daniel, one of the prophets. Maybe it's Peter. Maybe it's John or, or whatever. And we're going through those texts of Scripture that speak to us concerning these men and the work that God was doing in their lives. And we see ourselves. It's like we're looking in the gospel mirror and we see the reflection of ourselves and we realize that we don't really line up with these fellows or these gals, these women of virtue as well that are listed in the Bible. But there's hope that what God did in their lives will also do 
for us, right? That that will be a part of our Christian experience as well. And so he shows us that, but it doesn't happen immediately. It's a part of a process of regeneration and sanctification and that work, but we're encouraged. It may be in the area of marriage. You know, maybe you've been wondering why, you know, you're not married and you've been single for a long time now and you're just wondering, but, you know, we, God just makes a connection with you and, and he says, you know, I just want you to wait because I got a plan, but you're not ready yet. You understand? You're not ready yet, but I know how to give good gifts unto my children And in that perfect moment, I'll bring that special person into your life, across your path, and it'll just all fit into place. You'll know it, and you know that it's by my doing. And maybe some new work situation, right? Maybe you've been having problems at your places of employment or whatever, and you're you're a little confused, and you're disillusioned, and you're discouraged, and you don't know if you can even continue on. Maybe that's the prospect that you're facing. And then all of a sudden, you know, God shows you the hope that all things work together for good. And and you know that he's preparing you for some new work, a place of employment or maybe a ministry. I think about my own calling and preparation, a time of preparation and God preparing me for for my ministry. I I remember the day uh, just it was, you know, just Briefly after I had received Christ and immediately following my conversion experience, where we gathered together with a bunch of other Christians, I was just a rookie, man, a brand new babe in Christ. And one of the deacons there in the church, all of a sudden, you know, as they were praying for myself and my wife, Diane, he had a word of prophecy for me concerning a ministry of being a teacher of the word. I was at that location teaching school. I was up in Alaska when I got saved, actually. And we were waiting for our appointment to begin. And one of the teachers had gotten pregnant out in the bush. And so I took her place. I was hired to take her place. And, and so we, we stayed at this, this Christian community for a while up in Alaska before our appointment. There was a couple of weeks before we were actually going to be sent up there to the bush and, and work at that location as a school teacher. And this guy prophesied over me concerning how that I would one day be a teacher of the Bible. And I thought to myself, this guy, is he kidding me or what? You know, there's no way, no, absolutely no way whatsoever that I'd ever get involved in the ministry. And then God began to bring me along and put that desire within my heart and then opened up my understanding to his word and be able to. And he's still, listen, it's still an incomplete work. God is still doing the work that he began so long ago. And listen, let me tell you something. I've been walking with the Lord now for, I don't know, maybe 40 years. And if I should be around for another 40 years, at the end of those next 40 years, I'm going to be a pretty good Bible teacher. Let me tell you something. <laughs> so I got a ways to go yet. I, I know that. So God isn't finished with me. But he, he shows us those things, right? It's sort of like a glimpse into the future, if you will, right? So it might, be, it might relate to virtue, something that needs to be changed in our lives, something that God wants to do. You're not quite there yet. You know, he's changing you from the inside out, but you have hope that what God did in the Bible characters who are listed in the Bible, he'll also do for you. Maybe it has to do with work. Maybe it has to do with marriage. Maybe it has to do with ministry, being a, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, whatever, right? 
He does this for our own growth and good. He does it carefully. He doesn't do it all at once. He tailors the promise and the timetable and the possession to our own individual needs. He knows exactly how to bring us along. And this is why we are happy God chooses the land for us, even as he chose the land for Abraham. You know, it was Donald Gray Barnhouse in his commentary on this point who said, it makes no difference where it is or what is its geology or geography. If God leads us there, it's the land for us. If the Lord doesn't lead us, it can never be the right land, even though the streets may be paved with gold. So, folks, we, we just want God's will in our lives. We just want to move into the center of God's will for our lives. We only want or we only should want what God wants and has for us. So that's the first I will, right? He says there again, I will show you a land. Now, that brings us to the second I will. Let's go back to our text of Scripture. Secondly, he says, I will make you into a great nation. Now, before we get into Abraham, let's talk about us. Let's bring this down to personal terms. God wants to do a work in you and through you, right? And as I mentioned, I use those words that are used in Christian circles, often used by pastors and teachers, and some of us don't even know what that means or what they represent, but I'm talking about regeneration. You know, God gets a hold of us, and he creates within us a new person in the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Or sanctification, and sanctification is just a big word that means God is setting us apart. God is setting us apart for a specific reason, a calling. More than anything else, this is to, to know him, to have fellowship and communion with him, because that's where everything begins, right? And then that's, that's the first step, and then from there, you know, who knows where the Lord is going to take us. But when God said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, how does this relate to you and to me? Well, God wants to make you into a great person. He wants to, when finally he calls you home, make sure that you have a lasting legacy that you've left behind. You know, how many people think about this? You know, I think about my own life, and, you know, I've been doing this now for a while, and I've been involved in ministry here in Manhattan for 35 years. We've seen literally thousands of people come through our ministry over the years. Extremely transient. People are always coming and going. And we've had the privilege, Pastor Jose, myself, Patty, Will, a couple of the other elders to serve the Lord now. Right, Jose? How many people, how many thousands of people have we been ministering to? And over the years, not only the, our current radio broadcast in my father's house, Monday through Friday, 2.30 p.m., but we've had other radio broadcasts as well. You know, I feel as if, you know, Harvest has really made a difference. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. When you look back at your life, what moments stand out to you? There are probably some pretty great ones, getting married, having kids, graduations, and celebrations. But I imagine there are also a few you'd rather not remember. The ones that come back to run through your head at night as you try to fall asleep. 
When we take a look at the stories of some of the Genesis characters, we see it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. These people you meet made their fair share of mistakes, but that didn't disqualify them from being used by God. God built a nation from human beings who were far from perfect. And guess what? He wants to use you too. God has a plan for your life, and you can faithfully follow Him in the way He has made for you. You can be forgiven of your sins and start fresh, remembering the faithfulness of God since the beginning of time. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today in the Word with Pastor Mike Venizio and in my Father's house. This program is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. Check us out online at harvestnyc.org. There you'll find service times and our easy-to-find location. We have easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. If you aren't close enough to drop by, you can find links to our online streaming and more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thank you for joining us today. We're out of time for now, but come back and feast on the Word with us next time in My Father's House. My heart not be troubled.